Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Coffee and Comic Books, uh, a comic book podcast. Uh, I should tighten up that intro. I'm Autumn. I'm joined by Rick, as always. Hello. And we have a guest today, our first guest, Santo. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, I'm Santo. I I make games and post online. Um, it's very hard to like pitch myself right now, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I hang around and I make games and I enjoy reading uh a lot yeah uh, speaking of that since you're a guest uh what is your history of reading comic books if you know it um that's a good question i think i started to get really into comics probably like i want to say like 2011 ish around there like mm-hmm. uh, of course like i had <laughs> i had understood what the concept of a comic was before then like i had read, <laughs> like <laughs> newspaper comics and stuff like that i used to read a lot of garfield when i was like 10 (laughs) um but i started to get like more into like like purposefully getting to almost like oh i should like read this thing um after i had read scott pilgrim uh because of the fact that like i read it like oh this is like really fun and I literally, like, it was very, <laughs> very straightforward where I just looked at the back of Scott Pilgrim and I just saw the comics that Brian Lee O'Malley recommended to read. And I'm like, okay, I'll just read those, like, all in order. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so because of that, right after Scott Pilgrim, I read uh, Akira. Uh, oh, without, yeah. Uh, <laughs> without ever knowing about the film. Like, I didn't know a film existed for that at that point. Um, <laughs> so I just like read it online so like i think at the time it was like i don't know what the popular manga reader online was at that time but whichever the popular one was i read it there over the course of like a weekend like i read all volumes over a weekend when i was like 17 or so and i'm like oh my god this is like the best best thing ever and i think that really kickstarted my interest in like oh okay i should like do some research and start reading more comics and um yeah and that's kind of like what really got my interest in and then since then like i've i tend to read more like manga i guess but i have like been really into like web comics uh and like some like in more indie comics i guess that um are maybe not as like long but are nice to read in like one sitting kind of thing like when i still lived in toronto i attended tcaf usually every year and that's usually when i would like go and see what people were up to and just buy Mm. you know kind of like what looked interesting uh usually was like short form stuff so uh, that's kind of like another step that i took towards also like just reading more comics Every time people talk about TCAF, it sounds like the coolest shit in the world. <laughs> it was for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, before we get to talking about the book that uh, you brought 
today, Santo, um, which is Claudine by Ryoko Ikeda, in case people didn't read the uh, episode title. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to spring this segment on you because I realize that you might not have um, uh, listened to the show yet because only one episode is out and it only came out like a couple days ago. Um, have you read any other comics like the last week or two that you want to just like give a shout out to before we get into our like episode discussion? Um, I guess so. Like I, um, have kind of been reading like very sporadically, uh, just because I've been, um, trying to get through a lot of different stuff at the same time. Like I'm reading theory on like one end and then I'm like switching, <laughs> then switching my, <laughs> my brain to like comic reading mode. So I'm kind of like mm -hmm. <laughs> very quickly, like switching between the two, but like, um, I've been reading a little bit of like uh, Delicious in Dungeon. I read the first volume of that uh, Ooh, not too long ago, and that. it was like really fun. Uh, I definitely want to check the rest out, but I just had the first volume like sitting on my desk for like almost a year now. So I'm like, well, I guess I should like read it at some point. But yeah, no, it was really great. And then the other kind of reading project that I have is like, I'm still in the process of reading Kase Toki no Uta, which is like, the Ballad of the Wind and the Trees, which, like, um, I'm on, like, maybe at the, almost at the halfway point of that. It's, like, it, it's quite, like, a heavy series to go through, so I'm kind of, like, mm -hmm. I read one, a couple of volumes, and I kind of take a break and, like, do something else, but uh, I, I've definitely been kind of more in a, like, a shoujo bend in the sense that I want to read more shoujo, so I'm kind of making an effort to go through, like, historically the more relevant stuff that came out in the mm -hmm. 70s and the 80s uh, which means that it also deals with a lot of like subject matter that is like pretty heavy so it's also like okay <laughs> I have to like just pace myself so that I don't like burn out on all these stories yeah um I, I yeah, I'll one up you as sorry as far as I'm the going. delicious and dungeon thing goes and just say that I've had the first three volumes sitting on my bookshelf um, for probably three years now, four years. Uh, <laughs> and I read the first volume and loved it. And then uh, one of these days, I'm going to read those second two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, like, impulse to, like, start reading it more was also that, like, I know there was, like, an anime announced for it. I don't know when it's supposed to come out. But I'm yeah, like, I don't okay, know. I, I want to I wanna read it before the anime comes out. I'm excited intend to watch it, but I'm just afraid that like uh, I will like become annoyed by it and then I'll be like, well I'm not gonna read it anymore. But <laughs> um yeah, it I've also like I also have the Shonen Jump app on my phone, so I've also been trying to like catch up on like read Hunter Hunter from the beginning and like read all these longer series from the beginning, but it's definitely like uh really just taking my time with it. Yeah. What were you going to say before I interrupted you, Rick? Sorry. <laughs> oh, it was just, like, that shoujo stuff is is all so good, but it is, like, a lot of it is so hard to track down. Yeah. <clears throat> like, there's, there's a lot of, like, the big stuff, like, uh, Kiko Tamayaki stuff is, like, a lot of it's translated, and, like, Ikeda stuff is, and, like, Moto Haigo stuff is, and, like, that kind of stuff, but, like, beyond that, it's, like, it's, so, there's so much of it, but so hard to find. Yeah, I I was like joking about this a couple of weeks ago, but like people usually like 
uh, and this makes sense, obviously, that like, you know, learning Japanese in order to like read these manga and comics that like, you know, haven't been translated yet to English. But my life hack is that I can understand both Portuguese and Spanish and usually those harder to find titles tend to be either officially or fan translated to Portuguese and Spanish before they are to English. Uh, like that's kind of like the issue that came up with uh, uh, Ringni Kakero, I think it was, like uh, that it's by the Saint Seiya guy. And that, even though it's like a really important work of manga, like hasn't been fully localized to English. And if you look online, like it's only been fully translated to like Brazilian Portuguese, uh, which is like, okay, I can still realistically, you know, have this on my reading list and just like, uh, you know, go through it in like a language I understand until I hit the part that is only translated to Brazilian Portuguese. <laughs> this stuff is so cool. Saint Seiya guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like a boxing comic I've looked at and it, it just, oh, it, knocks me out every time yeah yeah that's the boxing uh comic that like uh it's not fully translated to english but then like spanish and brazilian fans were just on it because <laughs> they're <laughs> they're so dedicated to like his saint say work that they're like okay let's just translate like the rest of the other stuff he worked on that's, that's awesome okay. um, what about you autumn uh so i've been reading I've read a volume and a half of Akira. I read volume two of Akira. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I knew you'd be excited. And then I started volume three literally last night. Um, it was like one of those things where it's like, I'm going to start this before bed and I know I'm not going to finish it. I know I'm not going to finish it before the podcast. It's fine. I just wanted to like make a little bit of a dent in it. Um, uh, the volume, volume two of Akira is fucking crazy because like, so I knew, I knew that the movie is only, like, part of the series, but I didn't really, like, I didn't know that until I saw, like, <laughs> oh, damn, like, volume two has the movie ending, and then volume three starts off with this other shit that I have <laughs> no idea what's gonna happen. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm, like, I'm, like... It's like a 250-page volume. I think I'm like 100 pages into that uh, third volume. And it's just been like, just stuff that I have like no context for. Um, whereas like so much of the rest of it has been like, oh, yeah, like, like oh, there's stuff in volume one that doesn't happen in the movie. But you can totally like fill in the blank of like, you know, where this would have fit into the movie. Whereas now volume three, it's just like, oh, we introduced some other characters who were doing some other shit. <laughs> Um, it is fucking good. I don't know that I have like, um, a ton of like thoughts about it. I kind of just like listened to those first two beach houses about Akira, and I was like, yeah, that's basically what I would have said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, so I would recommend that people go to abnormalmapping.com and find those episodes about uh, Akira because those were very good, and Rick was on those, so. Chiyoko's there, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, Chiyoko, yeah, I she, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to remember when she shows up. It's volume two, probably. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, or no, I think she starts. I think she shows up. She like shows up 
in volume two, but volume three is when she becomes like a character, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they go stash a cure at her house. Yeah. Uh, and like, <laughs> I like volume three almost like starts with this huge woman with a big fuck off like gun um, just being like... <laughs> Uh, she like checks in with Kay and she's like, where's that asshole kid you've been hanging out with? Canada? Is he going to get himself killed? <laughs> okay. Wait, before, before we go on, mm. uh, how do you think Akira ends? <sighs> oh God. Um, I mean, I'm, I would guess that the movie ending is so, so volume two ends with they fire the orbital laser at Tetsuo. And then the movie continues past the orbital laser fire to like Tetsuo like transcends uh the like this plane of existence basically. And that has not happened in the manga yet. The manga just has like the laser fire and then I assume Tetsuo is coming back maybe like at the end of this volume as a twist, I don't know. Um but like Tetsuo will come back I guess what I, I I guess my guess is that Tetsuo will ascend um in like volume 5 and we're going to go to some like fucking crazy places in between here and there and then like whatever I I know I'm guessing like volume 5 he like ascends to a different plane of reality so I don't know what that means volume 6 is going to be in my head I have no fucking clue <laughs> So, can't wait to find out how wrong I am about that. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Oh, yeah, Rick, what have you been reading lately? I um, kept going off of what I was reading last week, which was newspaper comics, and I read, I downloaded, or I found downloads for all the uh, Crazy and Ignatz uh, Fanagraphics releases. There was a big Fanagraphics sale yesterday, and I came this close to buying some of them. I bought... Um, I bought the Poe Clan instead, but I was this close to buying. Um, Poe Clan's that... sick. <laughs> I'm fucking excited to read Poe Clan. Um, but yeah, so I, these are just I found them on uh, where I find a lot of my stuff these days on Soulseek of all places, which it finds you can get comics there too. Cool. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so I've been reading those, and I'd like to introduce you to my favorite new character of this year. Uh, where's this stupid image? This guy is so good. And he shows up like every so often in these strips, and this is the first one he shows up in. Ooh, look at this little man here. He's a he's a bee. Oh, oh I love a him. Bee. Hence the name. Yeah, yeah. William <laughs> B. Alias Bum Bill, a laborer, a drone, a vagabond without a home, without a wife. He has no enemy. He has no friend. <laughs> Very relatable. Those comics are so good. They're they're. They're funny, but also like a lot of the time, like I feel like the references aren't. I'm not. They're not clicking, but the, the artwork's still so good that it doesn't really take away from it. Yeah, it's crazy that this is coming out in like the 20s because it looks modern, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes. I think those volumes go from. Uh, it's like 19. It's like 1890 to like 1940. I want to yeah. say. Yeah, and then the other thing, so this is funny, because it's actually a thing I got at TCAF in 2017. Um, it's a, a book by uh, uh, Anna Hayfish, which is, she's a German creator who does a lot of books, and then uh, was contacted by Perfectly Acceptable Press to do 
a weird book, which is um, they do risograph prints basically. And this is uh, it's it's spiral bound and it's bigger than a comic, but it's just like twenty pages of like ennui and like someone walking through the streets of New York not knowing what to do, filled with like classical art references. And it looks Ooh. like this. And there's not that made them in the world, which is kind of annoying because and it's too big to like share. It's too big to scan too. It's like all the things I don't like about indie comics, but I like about indie comics is that they're like great, but also like hard to like share with people mm-hmm. sometimes. Like this is what this thing looks like. Oh, sick. I, I love, love the like the... spiral bound notebook uh, yeah, yeah. thing going on too. I, I I'm going to I'm going to make like an. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, make yeah. some sort of account where I can share the images that we talk about on this podcast. That makes probably make sense. This does not play to listeners sometimes, but uh, this is it's sick. just like 15 pages, and it's like there's only like according to the back of this, there's only 400 of these. So go take. <laughs> uh, but it's great. Like it's just like poetry about like people like wandering streets of cities, not knowing what to do with their lives. I'm down with that. I'm in that Hell spot yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's what I've been reading. Um, well, yeah. Do we want to talk about Claudine then? Sure. Yeah. Um, I can try to give uh, some... So Santa, or Santa, you brought this to us. Um, I can try to give some background information about when this came out and stuff, but do you want to like let us know like why you picked it yeah so the one reason that i picked it is because i actually had read it like pretty recently so i reread it again like for like today's recording but um i read it because like i think i saw autumn tweeting about it and i was like oh i should read claudine because like it's not a very long uh comic and um, I had already read Rose of Versailles, so it's like, okay, I'm kind of familiar with uh, Ryoko Ikea's kind of, like, way of storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. And I had heard of Claudine before. That was not the first time I heard of it. And I knew that it was about, like, oh, you know, it's a tragedy. Um, you know, first, I think this is, like, the first officially published manga that had, like, a transgender main character. Um and so I was like, hmm, I was like curious by it, but then I like was really busy getting to like Rose of Versailles mode. Um, and so I waited to kind of finish that before picking something else up. Uh, that was like by Ikeda, but uh, that's kind of like her shortest form work that like <laughs> is possible to read in like, you know, in one sitting or in like a day. Uh, yeah. That I think captures a lot of the a lot of what excels in her storytelling uh, kind of condensed in like a short story uh, format yeah so this um this was um first published in 1978 um and yeah i i i was gonna mention one or two other things but i think you hit all the big notes of just like you know why we were interested in reading this book um I'll say that, like, I read this the first time, so when I was visiting my mom, so I want to say, like, August, but I might have that wrong. So, like, only a couple months ago. Um, And it was around the same time I read the first volume or two of Rose of Versailles. Um, uh, And I was so taken with this book because um, 
like Rose of Versailles, at least the parts of it that I've read, have like such a like huge and sweeping like scale to them. It's like operatic the way that Rose of Versailles works. And seeing um Ikeda like condense all of that down into this like, you know, 150 page book is just incredible because she's still like doing that like huge scale to it. But um like it is just so much shorter and it's fucking good. <laughs> <clears throat> um I I guess I, I should give like a little plot summary um for the listeners, uh, now that I think about it, which is just, um, Claudine is a, um, like, as so many, um, uh, Ikeda protagonists are, Claudine is a, like, 19th century French, uh, like, aristocrat, um, who is a transgender man, um, uh, I... We're probably going to be pretty fast and loose with Claudine's pronouns here because uh, Ikeda is pretty fast and loose. Yeah, with, like... I was going to say that like there were some points. Uh, it took me reading it a second time to like fully understand like who the characters were talking about at any time. Just because like like oh Claudine goes by Claude, but like not everyone refers to him by like those pronouns, and like it kind of like switches back and forth. So it's like you really have to. Not that it's like the hardest thing in the world, but. Uh, it, it does switch sometimes that way and it's like oh okay I have to like be uh, just very cognizant of like who people are talking about yeah and it's um it's also just a, it, it's odd because sometimes it feels like people are pointedly gendering uh, uh, Claudine in a certain way and then sometimes it feels like oh we just used a pronoun here and I can't even tell like what's Ikeda and what's from the um like translation um especially now having read two different translations of this i'm like i don't remember what you know (laughs) (laughs) there's certain different like yeah it's just we're just gonna have to be fast and loose with it because i think that's the way that ikeda uh was but so claudine um is the youngest child of this french aristocrat whose name um i don't remember it doesn't matter Um, and that guy, her, Claudine's dad is like, um, oh, I wanted a son who's like manly like me and, and, you know, is going to like run the, the estate after I'm gone. Um, and so he like kind of like sets, uh, her up to be that. Um, and like, uh, Claudine is like very much like the spitting image of his father, and um as the years go on um there's a girl in the village who is interested in claudine uh but claudine is not interested in her and then we basically get i don't know how in depth i want to get with this right now but basically the story focuses on like three different like love interests that claudine has um over the course of his life um culminating in one of them goes bad because um claude like is forbidden from being with like a poor person basically and then one of them goes bad <laughs> one of them goes bad because claude finds out that his dad is fucking another guy 
But then that guy is mad because Claude's dad is also fucking his sister, and so burns the dad and the sister to death. Um, That's the part that threw me off the first time I read it. I was like, wait. I absolutely Ooh. could not follow that the first time I read it. I really, like... This time, um, and the first time I read it, it was in a scanlation, and this time was in a more official translation. I don't, I don't know that it was like one translation did a better job than the other. I just think it took a second pass to understand yeah, what I is happening like, there. Wait, it's like they're okay, they're siblings, and then okay, that was like one of the parts of the uh, manga where I was like, okay, the pronouns are really throwing me off right now. Yeah. I don't know if she, if she means like. Claude, Claudine, or whatever the other like characters were. So it's like okay. <laughs> yeah. So then after the dad dies, um, Cla- Claudine moves to Paris and fall and, and is like going to university. Falls for um, the love of his life, who's this woman who's like <clears throat> um, also going to university, and they like move in together, and it's all good. And then the woman that Claude is seeing, like, falls for um, Claude's brother um, and chooses the brother over Claudine. And so Claudine eventually, like, kills himself over, like, the, the like, rejection by the lover. Um, and it's very tragic uh, and, and overwrought in the way that Ikeda can be. And um, it's my favorite shit in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's about it for the plot summary. This this book like moves at a fucking pace. There's a lot that's covered in a very short amount of time. Um, Rick, what did you think of this? I've been talking a lot. <laughs> uh, this thing, well, it's gorgeous because it's an Akeda comic. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I think you nailed it earlier when you said like it's like it's all that like it's all the stuff that's in Akeda's comics just smashed into 150 pages so it's like it explodes like it does yeah and i was reading some things about the book and uh that was a common criticism of it really western people they felt that uh it didn't have enough time and it in like it didn't allow to develop instead of it just being like a condensed huge thing that it is which is funny. Yeah, that like reminds me. So I didn't try to look at too many like reviews because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want it to like influence uh, before influence my opinions before having to like read it. But after I read it, I read a couple of reviews and uh, yeah, I kind of like ran into that as well, where people said that you know they wish they had like more time for it to like breathe and expand. But I think it it works better as a short form story because of the fact that like how you mentioned it kind of like explodes on every page. So it's like, Mm. you know, before you even have time to recover from, you know, Claude's first heartbreak, you know, the next one is already like, it's already happening before your eyes. Like you're already like, you're already going like, Oh no, Claude, like you're going to (laughs) regret this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no. You're making the same mistake you made 10 minutes ago. Oh God. (laughs) Especially when like, uh, one of like two of the the girls Claude falls for look very similar to each other. Yeah, I thought maybe like the first uh, time for through a second, this, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oh, is that supposed to be 
the same girl but grown up and pretending to be an aristocrat now so that they can be together. Oh no, different girl that just looks the same. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One thing that I... Oh, go ahead. Oh no, you can go first. Uh, So like there are pages that I think of a lot, like uh, the early one where they're on uh, horses in the woods and they're the, the way Ikeda draws the forest as just the white background that is cut through with like the hatching of like the leaves in the in, instead of so the trunks of the trees are all just the same white as the background it's looks so good. so good it's so good <laughs> i'm glad you mentioned this because when i read the book uh, uh i think i read it last week um i was like i gotta remember to mention this page on the podcast because <laughs> it's, it's so, so good. fucking sick <laughs> Also, it's it's if you were just if you were to have that show up in a comics class at like a school, I bet you someone would ask like how many panels are on that page because technically it's all the same color, so it's the gutter, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's just dumb stuff. Like remember from like uh, people used to do that with um with Dark Knight Returns pages because there's ones where they'll just cut up the panel with all these like jagged lines and they'll be the same. Uh, It'll be the same uh, width and dimension as the gutter. So people are like, is that different panels or is it just nine panels? It's like, oh. Who knows? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Stop being a dweeb. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Oh, uh, comics. Uh, but yeah, this this book is great. I don't know what else. Like, I don't know what really to say about it because it's just like, it just, it's just so, like it's emotional, it's overwhelming, it's all the things you want one of these comics to be, but it's just like it all just happens so quickly that it's just like yeah, it, everything we've been saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, oh, you go, you go. Okay, <laughs> one of the things that I remember and I was gonna say before is that when I was looking at some of those like reviews and something else that I also found like really funny is that one one criticism that I don't know how often it's leveraged, but sometimes people leverage it. Uh, is that they wish that there was more like transphobia depicted, which uh, I don't know that, but <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like this doesn't feel authentic because like no one's getting, you know, no one's calling Claude a slur, <laughs> um, I mean... which I found really funny because it's like, well, I don't think that's what this story is concerned with. <laughs> uh, and obviously you can see that like Claude goes through like, a lot of hardships as a result of like being trans and like a lot and that's kind of like what i really like about the about claudine is that it focuses more on like like this emotional pain of being trans of like uh he keeps falling into these cycles of like heartbreak that uh he can't seem to escape uh Mm because someone at the end will say like but Claudine, you're a girl. Like, that's the thing that always kind of uh, seems to, like, um, be used throughout the comic as something that, like, characters remind him of. It's like, but you, you're just a girl, right? It's it's kind of used by other characters to, like, um, almost, like, say that he, uh, you know, he's being maybe, like, um a little bit like dramatic or being um 
very like complicated about his emotions and like being belittled yeah. as well, of course. But uh, that's what I found like really funny. It's like, yeah, I wish I had like more transphobia depicted in it. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I feel like he should probably just read another book. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I like the the book is about like the life of a transgender person, and I think like there are lots of ways to be like trans that like. Claude experiences transphobia in this book that are not like that are just like about existing in a society that like genders people and (laughs) you don't have to like see people like throw rocks at Claudine or like (laughs) call call him a slur to like get that (laughs) like there are lots of different ways that a person can like experience transphobia (laughs) Yeah, and that's kind of like what uh, what really appealed to me in this. It's like uh, it captured like I feel like you know speaking as someone who is like trans masculine, it captured mm. a lot of like the pain that uh, someone like Claude would experience. Um, and I think to me that's more much more compelling than like portraying Claude navigating. I don't know like you know, someone uh, being, like, transphobic in other ways to him. I think that heartbreak is something much more intimate uh, and yeah. like, raw that usually you don't, uh, you might not get in, like, other media that depicts, like, a trans character going through, like, heartbreak. Yeah. Um, it feels like, like Claude is like let Claude lives like a full life over the course of this book in the in a way that like just if you had a scene where like oh you can't use this bathroom blah 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 like that would be so like like that is like a thing that I have experienced that is like minor and petty and it sucks but like i move on i am not still thinking about 2 years later like the the time that so and so like was shitty to me about the bathroom that i used i mean i it's happened to me a lot more recently than 2 years but you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like like there's a lot of stuff that goes on in my life that is not about like you know people calling me slurs or whatever that i just find that like this book focuses on that it's like more interesting and more fun and also just like you know, if I'm gonna pick up the shoujo manga, I kind of want the heartbreak and the pain yeah. and the like. I don't really want like, <laughs> you know, the day to day like shitty stuff that happens to a person. I want the yeah. like, the huge big feelings. Yeah, and I think that's what like Ryoko Ikeda Excel said with like you know having read Rosa Versailles before reading Claudine. It's like um, Rosa Versailles is like a work that is a lot about like okay, here's the hardships that, like, you know, a woman faces in, like, a very uh, patriarchal society, but it doesn't really focus on, like, oh, you know, uh, <laughs> Lady Oscar gets called a slur or whatever. Um, it's more, like, again, like, that concept of, like, heartbreak and very, like, like emotional pain that is really hard to portray or explain that, 
I think a lot of shoujo manga and Ikeda especially like that's like that's their expertise. That's what they're uh, like very talented at telling. That I think that's like that's a really hard uh, method of storytelling. That like it's either fantastic or it's just like kind of falls flat. Yeah, there's like a there's like a maximalism to like the way Ikeda draws stuff of just like people are like bursting out of the panels all the time and um you know are like drawn in the most elaborate ways and you just see like the level the loving rendering on like Claudine's like eyes as she like looks at um the servant girl um <clears throat> and like all all, the, all these sorts of things that are just so so much larger than life on every single page that I think like really helps like I think helps sell the like huge epic scale of this in a short amount of time you know mm -hmm. yeah one other thing I was also going to point out is that um I think I, I can't remember the interview that I read but I remember reading an interview with Ikeda where like she talks about Lady Oscar because like if Ikeda <laughs> another thing she does really well is like she creates one type of guy <laughs> <laughs> and keeps casting them throughout like all like a lot of her comics uh mm. and there's one interview where she basically confirms this where like she thinks of like lady oscar as like almost like an actor that she keeps recasting uh in some of huh. her works i don't know that she didn't specify claudine or anything but like uh she has another manga she did after rosa versailles which is called like the window of orpheus which yeah. mm -hmm. uh, is, like, very similar, again, very similar to Rose of Versailles. It has, like, a backdrop in, uh, uh, I think this time it takes place, like, during World War One and, like, uses the Russian Revolution as, like, a backdrop as opposed to the French Revolution. Um, and, again, the main character, huh. or, like, one of the main characters called Julius, but she's actually, like, a woman who was raised as a boy by, like, her father and then sent off to, like, I think, like, a boy's boarding school so very similar to like Rosa Versailles where like oh Oscar was like raised as a boy because like her dad wanted to raise a boy and Bud had a girl and then uh, you know gave gave her like a more masculine sounding name uh, so like again it's very very similar to those character arcs are very similar and then when you actually look at them like when you look at Lady Oscar when you look at Julius when you look at Claudine they mm -hmm. all look very very similar they're both like you know, very wispy, like blonde haired, uh, somewhat like androgynous, uh, like uh, women. And in this case, Claudine is a trans man, but like they're all like similar, like a very similar, like physically uh, to the point where if you line them up <laughs> one beside each other, it would be kind of hard to tell them apart. <laughs> uh, so even though like I couldn't find any like interviews that confirmed Ikeda, like, Oh yeah, Claudine is just like my reinterpretation of Lady Oscar, but like it's it's not that hard to deduce. Like, oh yeah, there's definitely like a theme that is kind of running across these characters that she explores in like a slightly different way each time. Yeah. <clears throat> ah, the Tezuka star system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, Tezuka does a similar thing, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had he had he had a whole like cast list that he like gave everyone fees for being in his comics. <laughs> <laughs> this person's a star. This person's like a semi like yeah, and they plays them off type all the time. Yeah, yeah. King. <laughs> um, but the other thing about like the shojo like style of comics almost feels like cheating at times too because it just looks like. I know we say it like a lot, but it just like the way the panels are laid out, like the different sizes, like how they're all arranged around different images, like the the way Kata uses like really thin panels to like cut up time really well. It's all mm-hmm. like so precise as well as being so maximal at the same time. So it's like it's all exploding out at you, but also like you can follow it really clearly because and it still reads as fast as anything else you've read. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't, like, n- nothing holds you back from being able to just, like, read it. It just flows as well as it, it like, conveys everything else. It just, yeah, it's it's a really good I, piece of work. I think, um, like, Rose of Versailles has been something that I'd been meaning to get around to for a long time, but I think the reason that I, like, picked this and Rose of Versailles up a couple months ago was because, like, I'd finished reading Berserk and then I'd heard like um, Miura talk so much about how shoujo manga influences him. And like you pick up Claudine and like you can see it if you know what you're looking for. Like (laughs) not just in the way that like um, what's his face Griffith uh, looks like a pretty boy like straight out of this book. (laughs) But like yeah exactly what you're saying. Like Miura has a way of like time flows really quickly and very readably even when like there's a ton and ton of ton of detail on every page and like you know there are like pages of this uh of claudine where like we're gonna get like the most lovingly like cross-hatched like french architecture um and and the most like ornate like you know uh like kiss scene you could possibly imagine um but yeah, it still it still moves. You know, you don't get like bogged down by the details. This is the one that comes to mind for me. Uh, these two pages that are uh, like the the way that slap goes across that page is yes, so good. Yeah, just like the way time passes on the pages, very impressive. And then the big image, like surrounded by them, and then she run, and then he runs off at the end. Oh, it's also the guy, like the the other guy in this comic. The is he the the Joker? I guess because that's what he turns into when he decides <laughs> to burn down a house. Like I don't. Where does that come from? It's it's so out of left field. It's also like such an unforced error. I think because like I think. It, if I'm following this correctly, and I don't know if I am, this is definitely the moment where, like, the pace gets the weirdest. But, um, I think what happens is that Claudine saw her dad fucking this guy when she was, like, eight years old. But he didn't know, she didn't know what she was looking at, and so just didn't think anything of it. Now, years later... This guy is like, oh, Claudine saw me fucking her dad. Guess I gotta burn this house down. <laughs> well, it's even weirder than that. Like, so, right. um, 
he 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 reveals it and it's like, oh yeah, you're you're dating my sister and I'm screwing your dad, so everything's good, right? We have a nice knit family tree. And <laughs> and then someone else comes in and is like, so you know that your dad's also screwing this other girl, and it's like, what is going? <laughs> <laughs> it's the like. <laughs> It gets so complicated so fast, and also, I, I, it always, both times I read it, it feels like I missed something. It feels like I'm supposed to, like, turn back five pages and be like, oh, I skipped the page where, I, you know, so-and-so was fucking so-and-so, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, th- I was going to mention earlier that uh, you mentioning Berserk also reminded me that like I'm also kind of reverse reverse engineering my way into reading Berserk where like <laughs> I've read Rose of Versailles, I'm making my way through Kazetoki no Uta, and then at the end uh, <laughs> Berserk is waiting for me uh, eventually. <laughs> uh, but I was also reminded of like Kazetoki no Uta specifically uh, um, I'm looking at one of these pages like the the brother character looks a lot like the main, like, quote-unquote villain of Kasutoki no Uta. Like, they have the very similar, like, haircut and very similar look. Um, And it's just kind of like... uh, It's like these two works are, like, sort of talking to each other, where, like, yeah, the the ones who you're supposed... You're meant to look at as, like, uh, evil or bad or like in the sense of like yeah what they're doing is a bad thing like kind of look similar um and and that's also kind of what has me excited to explore like other shoujo titles of the time because like like a lot of these creators were like you know friends and like talk to each other and it's like i'm curious to see how this like spills over into like other places as well well, they're part of a uh, the year twenty four group. Yeah, yeah. Takayama and uh, Ikeda, at least I believe. Yeah, and that was also set in France, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, France is like a big. <laughs> Most shojos are of that time, especially are set in France, either like somewhere in Europe huh. or France. I thought this was just an Ikeda thing. Good to know it's everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's well, like, very. Takeyama- yeah. Oh, wait, go ahead. Oh no! I was just gonna say it's very emblematic of like the shoujo genre to like be set in France. Yeah, and, and Takem was cool too because she does like stuff that's like sci-fi, just like sci-fi comics. I always think about um, Host Club, where one of the characters, I think Tamaki, is like half French for like no reason, <laughs> just because somebody had to be half French in this Japanese high school. <laughs> yeah yeah it's very um very funny the i mean the that also kind of like influences like a lot of the art style i mean obviously rosa versailles like has a very historical aspect to it so you get all these very like embellished pages with like all the different um like rococo inspired uh like patterns and stuff Um, I feel like I've said everything I've got to say about this book. Any, any, anything else that you two had on your, like, plates? <clears throat> There's one other page. This page right here Please. is so good. Oh, my God. The the page where, um, like, <laughs> Claude's, like, final, like, lover in the book is, like, contemplating, like, ooh, 
Andrew, the brother. Ooh, <laughs> maybe. What if I fucked him instead? It's so good. Yeah. Just the progression down the page, like through the blacks of the, the figures, is just so laid out. Oh, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, the only other thing that I was going to mention is that... Um, I, I have like some notes that I wrote down when I reread it and like some of them now don't make a lot of sense. I wrote down and I think this like is something that someone says in the comic or it might have been something that I just thought and I noted it down but I will, it says here he's too smart for gender therapy. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and it's like Claude is like from the beginning like as he comes into like the, I think it's like the psychologist's office. It's like the psychologist already goes like, oh no, like this, he he's very smart. Like he knows like what he's uh, what he's about. Um, and I think because of that, that like influences the way the narration works, where the psychologist like narrates some stuff, you know, not as like um, not from like a weird maybe like uh doesn't like objectify Claude in any way that mm -hmm. makes it like demeaning for him to be narrating um his story uh and because I've definitely like read some like more young adult novels in the past where like you do have a character who's narrating someone else's story and the character they're narrating about is like trans or like you know there's mm -hmm. something you know weird about them gender wise um and a lot of times it comes back to like how the character narrating feels and it's like oh i'm you know worried about them and then you don't really get to know much about the character themselves but the fact that like the psychologist is the narrator but you still get all that emotion overflowing from claude is like makes that narration work really well uh, i agree yeah because it doesn't obscure like what claude is feeling or like the the events and the emotion that he's going through um <clears throat> and i also really like the i think this is more towards the ending where like i think after claude's dad dies he like realizes that um he can become like his own man in a way in the sense that like he doesn't have to be like his dad uh, or he doesn't have to be the man that his dad wanted him to be um, and I think that's also, like, something that I found very interesting, because, like, I always joke with, like, my partner who's also trans, that, like, when you are, like, transmasculine or trans man, it's, like, you look at yourself, and then you look at old pictures of your dad, and it's, like, we all eventually just become our dads somehow. <laughs> uh, like, I was looking at old pictures of my dad when he was, like, very young, and I'm, like, oh, God, I look exactly like him now. Um... So I th and then, and I meant that like jokingly, but like in, in that sense, Claude is like, okay, I can, you know, I can be my own self without having to use my dad as like a reference point of the type of man that I want to be. Uh, mm. And I, I found that like uh, very like compelling. I think that it's something that it can be hard to talk about, but that like it, it's hard to find uh, in some works. Um, and I also just generally like the psychologist, like, like reaffirming his identity in a way that is like, 
it's like, oh yeah, you're just a guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the exact word he uses is like your body isn't quite right, but you're a guy. Yeah. You're a man like any other. Yeah. Um, it's it's very funny. This is like not terminology that I think anybody uses now, but it is very funny how much the psychologist it on some level is just there to be like, oh. Claudine is like a man born in the wrong body, which is like very much like how people thought of this mm-hmm. sort of thing for a very long time and is almost there to like just legitimize uh, Claude, you know, um, even though like me, a reader in 2022 just does not need that. I still like <laughs> the psychologist character. Like, I think he I think he's fun. I think he's a good addition to this book. But like. That aspect of it, I just don't need it. I just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is just not a way that I would ever think about this. And it's it's funny the ways it is anachronistic of both like nineteenth century France and also like nineteen seventy eight Japan. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like um, I, I think it definitely like skirts that line of like um, you know being something that like you might not really. Uh, that maybe doesn't really resonate as much like today, but it's like uh, kind of like funny to see. Um, yeah. Because it's like, he's like, oh yeah, he's just, just a guy. <laughs> um, and and it's also funny because like this manga was released in like 1978 um, and it does some things like a little bit better in regards to like ex uh, portraying a trans character than like some newer stuff that I've read uh, in the same vein where like, okay, this is like going to be about a trans character and we're going to, you know, show uh, maybe like some emotional processes or like some kind of like um, maybe more like challenging version of like representing a trans character. Um, mm-hmm. Because when I, I think it was when I was like in high school, I read a young adult novel that like the name I forget, but this one was one of those where like the main character is like a sister and then she has like an older like trans sister who like is transitioning and the whole book just takes place from the point of view of this, of the like cisgender sister who like, it's just like, oh no, I'm worried about her and like, I'm worried about her like transitioning and you never actually like get to hear like what the trans character is like going through or thinking. Um, and it very much works on that. Like, Oh yeah, she was just born in the wrong body or whatever, which like, uh, was definitely like, mm, <laughs> even, even then, like, even though I was like very much not aware of my own identity at some, I was like, mm, some feel like interesting or right. Um, yeah. But I think like the version that happens in Claudine, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, it's, it's funny enough that it's like, okay, it's, uh, I can suspend my disbelief for like a couple of pages. Yeah, totally. (sighs) Back to the berserk thing for a sec. Um, I just (laughs) realized, um, it's the eyes, right? There's some like there's some Griffith eyes in, in Berserk that are just like right from these comics. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, oh, totally. Like <sighs> while I was reading Kazutaki no Uta and like the you know the like evil uncle, like 
his face, like, like, Mira was reading that and Rosa Versailles and, like, just writing down notes, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah. on one, he was just writing notes and making a character design as he read both of them at the same time. Because, uh, yeah, like, just, like, the, it, there's kind of, like, almost, like, an emptiness in the eyes where uh-huh. it's very, like, intimidating to look at. Um, where, like, it, it's almost like there's no people in there to some degree if, depending on how it's drawn uh and yeah it has just like this very sharp angle to the face yeah, yeah. and also like but also just like the intensity like claude's stares in this book are unreal it's there, so good <laughs> there is one um one panel i have to find it i'll post it like afterwards but there's one panel where like claude is like taken aback by something and like you just don't see his eyes and they're just completely white. And there's like, there's no pupil, there's no iris. There's just like a, a, there's just white blank eyes. And he's like frozen in shock. I think it's when he finds out that one of the women he's dating is like cheating on him with his brother. Uh, yeah. I think when she, when he sees them together, he goes like, just like his eyes just disappear from his face. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on a page and I, I was going to try and post a picture of it, but I can't find my phone to take a picture of this physical comic book I'm holding, <laughs> but it's the one right after, um, like Claude's mom sees him with, uh, the servant girl, Mara and, and Mara gets sent away. And, uh, the mom takes Claude into the, see the psychologist again. Um, and it's just like the, like. Both the rage and the, like, deadness in Claw's eyes are just so good, you know? It almost, like, there's, like, an effect to the background that almost looks like there is, like, fire coming up out of the floorboards (laughs) around him. Yeah, yeah, the, the expressions are, like, really well drawn, um... Um, well, yeah, <clears throat> we should probably wrap it up, uh, cause we're hitting an hour here and I'm oh. hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have pizza waiting for me, so plenty wow. of words. <laughs> uh, Santa, where could people find you online? Um, good question. Um, <laughs> ordinarily, <laughs> ordinarily I'm Tomatrioska at Twitter, like the Yu-Gi-Oh tomato card, uh, at Twitter, but like I have been kind of going, been going there less and less. Like, um, mm. some kind of like encouraging people to check out my co host page. I'm on co host at Santo, that's just like my username. Um, I'm still on Twitter, I'm gonna stay on Twitter until they like <laughs> force me to leave uh, and turn the lights out. But uh, I am trying to use co host a little bit more to like post about the games that I'm working on. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be starting a monthly newsletter pretty soon that I'll also be posting to my co-host page. So uh, like sometime next week. Um, but yeah, that's, I think, the where I want to be next, hopefully. <laughs> Rick, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on both of those places as well at uh, Combatler Rick V, uh, where... I just posted an issue of Animate from 1978, the fourth issue of the magazine that ever happened. Oh, wow. 
because okay so the weirdest part about doing this is that someone in japan started sending me copies of this magazine oh fuck yeah oh nice <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so like i just got like i got two of them so far and it's like all these old stuff that i've never even seen so it's, it's wild i knew somebody had been sending it to you i didn't know that they were like actually in japan that's cool yeah, it's well. That's that's where all the postage is. So I don't know if they're buying it from. I don't know what's happening, but yeah, it's wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host at autumnal. Um, I've been posting there. I'm gonna start. Po- I'm gonna start posting a like weekly roundup of all things export audio, so people can go there, and um, I'll make sure to like, you know. Link to Rick's socials, link to Santos' socials, so people can find them. So, co-host at Autumnal uh, to find all that info. Um, <clears throat> and you can go to exportodd.io. That'll take you to the Patreon page. Um, on the main part of that, we have links to the free feeds for all the podcasts. I need to update that so that this podcast is in that list. Um, and then... For $1 a month, you get access to Hot Singles, Ornate Stairwells, Gotham City Limits, and, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting what, Pondering Puton, you get access to all four of those early. And then for $5 a month, you will get Pop Town Funk, which Nora and I just put up two episodes in one day of, of that over the weekend. It was a lot of fun. And you will also get, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Okay, yeah. If you're li- <laughs> if you give us five dollars a month, you'll get access to an extra episode uh, of this podcast each month. So if you're listening to this in the free feed, you've got to go give us five dollars on Patreon to get the next episode. Which I think Rick and I were we're gonna cover Winterman next, right? That's what we talked about. That is the plan. We could twitch it. I don't know, but that was what we talked about last time. Whatever that was. Uh, that's what we talked about last time, and I want to stick to it because. Uh, I don't feel like picking another book on air right now. <laughs> so yeah, that's the Winter Men by John Paul Leone. That'll be on the Patreon um, later yeah. in December. So Brett, Brett Lewis and John Paul Leone. Yeah. Oh, cool! Thank you for shouting out Brett Lewis. No, no, it's fine. Uh, there's there's a colorist and a letter or two. I don't have the names on hand, but we will have them next time. Yeah. And that's just a straight up like, I think it's seven issues, six in a special. I remember right. So we'll like actually this. talk about like, uh, a like <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about like a western ass comic book that comes out in issues. You know. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you both want to say something very funny? Hit me. So yeah. I own w- exactly one issue of the comics journal. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is it? Uh, <laughs> no, it's this one. <laughs> Let me see. Oh, this rules. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, there's an issue where they just got a bunch of people to uh, review what what was coming out in manga that, like the same people to review just what was coming out in like shoujo manga that, and like manga that at time. Huh. Yeah. That's sick. That's sick. So it's like Chobits reviews and like, it's wild. Wow. <laughs> um... Nora, since you're sitting right there, you came up with a sign-off for us last time. Or did Molly do that? Oh, it was Molly. I didn't do anything. I wasn't on the podcast. Molly came up with a good sign-off, and now I've forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs>
did see over here that I oh I dropped a new podcast under your microphone. Can I just get that from you? Yeah, room? yeah. Can you pitch yeah. me this new podcast yeah, real quick? It's about movies. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon to the Export Audio Network. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, Molly came up with a good sign-off, but I can't remember it. Can you remember it, Rick? I cannot remember it. Well, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>